Welcome to the Australian Hiker Podcast, Australia's longest-running hiking podcast, downloaded over half a million times in over 145 countries and providing you with an Australian perspective on all things hiking. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 214 of the Australian Hiker Podcast, and in this week's episode, we talk about the Wharf to Wharf Walk in southern New South Wales. Before we get into today's episode, if you'd like to help support Australian Hiker and this podcast, there are a couple of ways that you can help us out. Firstly, by subscribing on your podcast host of choice, so that each episode is available as soon as it's published, and if you have the opportunity, leave us a five-star review. Another way to support us is go to the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au and click on the supporters page and buy us a coffee. You can do a one-off donation or become a monthly supporter. All donations are greatly appreciated and help us to continue producing this podcast and blog. Now let's get on to today's episode. Now the Wharf to Wharf Walk is located on the far southern coast of New South Wales and is a designated 27km wharf, walking you from Tarthra Wharf to Marimbula Wharf with the ability to start at either end. This walk officially opened in mid-2021 and is still relatively unknown and undiscovered by many. Over the weekend is gone, we chose to do this amazing walk in a single day, but for most people, they'll do it as a two, possibly a three-day walk as more the norm. In this episode, you'll hear our on-trail recordings of how our day went, and at the end of the podcast, we'll discuss. And at the end of the podcast, we'll discuss logistical issues surrounding transport and accommodation, and make recommendations on options that will suit all levels of hikers. We recommend that as you listen to this podcast, you follow along with the written version of this trail write-up that contains plenty of images with what you are seeing. We hope you enjoy this episode. Now, as a bit of an introduction to this walk, as mentioned, it officially opened in late June of 2021. It combined a series of pre-existing walks that were already in place and linked them together to form a continual walk from one wharf to the other wharf. This walk is designated as 27 kilometres. However, on the day we did it, my GPS registered 30.65 kilometres. Now, I'm not quite sure why that is, but I did have my GPS on a fairly fine setting. I was recording every two minutes the location, so that's likely to have pushed the distance up. And in all honesty, the time that it took me to do this walk at just under 11 hours... And this longer distance does make more sense because while I'm not at my fittest at the moment, I didn't think I was that slow in, in actually completing this walk, expecting it to, uh, to finish it off in under sort of 10 hours quite comfortably. Either way, this walk is able to be done as either a one or more than likely a two-day walk. And we'll talk about why that is after we make our recommendations at the end of this podcast. Having done the nearby light to light walk and I think there's a bit of a pattern here in the naming you could be forgiven for thinking it might be worthwhile just doing one walk and not both but having now done both these walks they both have something different to offer I think the light to light walk has more contact with the ocean the wharf to wharf walk has more beach walking uh, and a bit more variety in the vegetation. And I really did enjoy both. Now, we chose to do this walk heading southwards from Tarthra Wharf to Marimbula Wharf. And again, we'll discuss the reasons for that at the end of this hike. So what you're about to hear is a series of on-trail 
recordings that we made throughout the day. And this walk was originally meant to be uh, with both Jill and I doing the walk, but there were some issues which we'll discuss later on, which meant that I completed the walk by myself and Jill played car support, dropping in from time to time on the trail during the day and walking small sections uh, as she was able to before returning back to the car and meeting me at the next destination point. So we hope these recordings will provide you a bit of overview of what we were thinking on the day and what you can expect as you walk through this uh, hike if you do if you do plan to do it. Good morning. It's Tim from Australian Hiker. Jill and I are here at Tarthra Wharf on the New South Wales south coast and um, we're we both were supposed to be doing the wharf to wharf walk and this is a walk that's roughly around about 26 27 kilometers that starts either at tarthra or marimbula wharf and finishes at the other wharf uh, either north or south depending on which way you're heading we stayed in marimbula last night and we're there tonight as well and the plan is to do this as a day walk so it'll be a long walk Uh, so i'm expecting to finish probably around about four to five o'clock sometime this afternoon We were supposed to be both doing this walk together and we had organised transport, uh, but the transport didn't turn up. Yes, So plan B. (laughs) Plan B is I follow along and, uh, yeah, we'll be able to do some of the walk, but uh, certainly not the end-to-end. So starting a bit later than I'd planned, uh, we gave the transport uh, probably around about half an hour, 40 minutes, and we ended up... uh, deciding we couldn't wait any longer. So Jill's driven me up to Tarthra Wharf uh, and in a couple of minutes I'll start my walk off. This walk was opened at around about the middle of 2021. Um, there's a, there is a trailhead here at uh, the Tarthra Wharf, which is quite good. Um, and I'm just be interesting to see what the signage, the connecting signage is like as I go through this trail uh, for the rest of the day. Okay, talk to you later. It's 9.45. I'm about five kilometres into the wharf-to-wharf walk, heading south towards Marimbula Wharf. Uh, Just stopped to have a break and do some social media and do a bit of recording for the podcast. So far, this is a really good walk. It's... um, I didn't have any preconceptions about what it would be like. I mean, the, there's a, a walk that's not that far from here down towards Eden, which is the light-to-light walk, which is also a similar sort of distance. And it's different enough that if you did both of them, you, you wouldn't sort of get bored. So far, I've been going up and down a series of gullies and little valleys coming into beaches, uh, including one beach called Boulder Bay, because the entire beach is just these small round boulders. So you need to watch your footing on that one. But uh, been walking through bushland, a lot of Melaleuca blowdowns. They're not big, uh, but you have to sort of work your way around them or over them. Um, yeah, maybe every five or six hundred meters, there's probably. Uh, one down and then you go for a while and there's nothing and then you come come across one or two that are close. Uh, As I said, they're not big, they're not inconvenient, but they're just sort of something just to work with. Wildlife-wise, all I've seen so far is some yellow-tailed black cockatoos uh, and I got reasonably close to some of them uh, near Boulder Bay uh, where they were getting stuck into something on one of the trees Um, and I walked past and I think I got some film or some, some images of them. 
uh, and then walking across the beach, they flew over my head. So I'm hoping I got a couple of photos of that there as well. You may or may not be able to hear the beach or the, the water in the background crashing onto the rocks. It's been a pretty constant companion, and I do love walks that are on the coastal areas. Where I'm sitting at the moment, which is just on a, a convenient log just on the edge of the track, uh, I'm really virtually right on the track, uh, semi-shade, the sun's still not fully high up yet, uh, and a forecast of today is only 24 degrees, so it's not, uh, not going to be too hot, which is nice. So I will head on from here. Um, I've got Jill following me along in the car. Where she can, she's sort of dropping in uh, and saying hello. But she's found that some of the roads are in quite bad condition after the heavy rain we've had just recently. And she had one where she should have been able to connect with me, but there was a tree that was blocking the road. I will certainly catch up with her, and um, we think that's probably going to be around about lunchtime, so around about midday in a couple of hours. Okay, talk to you later. It's just before 11 o'clock. I've done over 8 kilometres. Just decided it was time to have a bit of a, a short break and just do some uh, recording for social media and for the podcast. I haven't as yet lost contact with the ocean. I can't see the ocean where I am at the moment. There's too much greenery in, in front of me, uh, but I can certainly hear it, and I've been able to hear it the entire trip so far this morning. Uh, and, I, and I certainly do come in contact physically with the ocean up on cliffs or down in bays on a regular basis. One thing that has surprised me, and I have only been going for three hours, is that uh, I haven't seen anyone else on this track yet. Um, you know, maybe people started earlier than I did, or maybe they're starting from the other way, or I could be it. I just don't know. I think this is a track that's not as well known as, say, the light to light walk is. Uh, and certainly that was one of the reasons for me doing this walk is uh, just to do a ride up on it, just to make it a, a bit more, uh, more amenable to people. I uh, managed to follow the trail reasonably well this morning. There are a couple of points where you come out and you need to think where you're going. So I had two of those this morning. One, I came out of the bush uh, and came to a road, and I didn't know whether I should have gone straight ahead uh, or left. Uh, and I did see an arrow that sort of indicated the general direction, but I didn't know if it was supposed to be down the road or over into the bushland. Uh, so I took a guess and thought, OK, it's going to be down the road, and sure enough, that's what it was. I had another one where I came out onto a management road, uh, and I was pretty sure I knew where I was going, but I have got a printed copy of the directions off the website, and that just confirmed that I just needed to walk up the road for about 50 metres, and the trail then turned left across uh, on the left-hand side of the road. So having the map, or it's not actually a map, having the directions that explains to you the tracks and where you need to turn is actually quite handy. There are some situations where you think, oh, where am I supposed to be going? Uh, and if you look, there's a marker line, marker post, uh, or you can see, it was one instance where I could see a, a very obviously constructed set of steps, but you had to look. You know, it wasn't if they looked like metal stairs or timber stairs that had been made with concrete and natural rock. So um, it was obvious when I saw them what they were. Okay, my pack is starting to try and escape down this log that I'm sitting on, so I better get myself organised and keep on going. It's just on 12.30. Uh, I met Jill a little while ago and we just had lunch at Wallagoot Gap. Uh, and that's just a, a gap in the rock 
uh, that leads out to the ocean. So it's very obvious or very, either a very narrow bay uh, or a, a gap, depending on how you want to look at it. Where we're sitting is a wooden platform up the top uh, with some seating, a bit of sun, a bit of shade, depending on what you want, uh, looking out towards the ocean and the gap itself. Now, Jill's come from the direction of Turnigal Head Car Park, but she actually couldn't make it down to that point because of the, the roads were a bit bad and they blocked off the cars. Uh, so she parked the car where she could at the boat ramp. Yeah, it's at the Wallagoot boat ramp. Uh, lot, lots of sailing boats out today. It's a lovely day, so that was a nice bit of diversion. Um, and then she walked down the road to meet me here. So in a few minutes I was getting myself going again and uh, my next stop is going to be the Hobart campground which is where people are likely to stay if this is a two-day walk. So at the moment I've done around about um, 11 kilometres roughly um, and I've got about another 13 or 14 kilometres to go um, depending on what the GPS reads and compared to what the trail notes say as well. Nice day. It's it's warm without being hot. There's a bit of a breeze just at the moment, but we're sitting in this, in this gap in the rock, so that's understandable. Temperatures are quite nice, so um, starting to tire a bit. Uh, it's a long day. It's supposed to be the longest uh, single day I've done in a while, so I'll definitely have a good sleep tonight and a, a good rest tomorrow. I think you always have a good sleep. <laughs> But yes, um, it, it's a really nice trail and uh, I'm really disappointed I w- I'm not able to do the whole lot. But uh, the other thing I've noticed is, uh, Tim mentioned the road was out. There are a whole stack of roads uh, heading uh, off the main roads into um, the coast and the beaches. The dirt roads are just impassable. So I went down a few and uh, had to turn around because there were some uh, trees over the road and uh, one in particular that really, even with a four-wheel drive, I just thought was a bit risky. So uh, there aren't many places I can meet Tim, but, yeah, uh, fortunately he found one. OK, I'll just get myself organised and I'll head off again. It's quarter to two. I'm here at Hobart Campground under the large covered shelter and I'm just about to head off to the North Tura Road car park, which is about another three kilometres to get there. This walk was around about two and a half kilometres from my last stopping point, which was lunch. And very shortly after I left, I had to cross an inlet. Um, You wouldn't want to do it after a a very heavy rainfall or on high tide. Uh, And I must admit, I just didn't think about it. Um, There is an alternate route around that if you can't get over there. Uh, But I'm reasonably comfortable with crossing inlets now and normally you just try and head as close to the ocean as possible because that's where the water slows down as the water coming out and in meet and also it tends to be where the sand builds up so it's fairly shallow. So I rolled up my pants, took my shoes off uh, and I was only crossing water probably around about 25 centimetres deep. Then I had a couple of kilometres of walk along the beach uh, and the I had to look for a an access way into this uh, campground area. Um, It's not that obvious, but you do see uh, a gap in the sand 
and then a, uh, a fence leading up into the uh, the dunes, and that's your exit point. And as you get to that fence, there's a sign saying Hobart Campground, and it also talks about the uh, uh, the wharf to wharf walk as well. Good walk along the beach. Um, it was good to get the feet wet, uh, and now I'm just sitting here. The Hobart Campground is a car camping campground, so you basically park and you can put your tent up next to your car. Uh, very large campground, and I, it was interesting. I'm trying to f- now find the trail to uh, my next destination, and basically what it said to do is, uh, where are we? Um, Trail to Bourne de Lagoon starts behind the covered shelter and information board, southwest corner of the campground. It, it passes junctions with the Bondi Lake Trail and Bourne de Fields Hut before meeting the road to Bourne de Beach Car Park. So it's the car park being as big as it is, it's almost a bit confusing. There is an information scientist up here on my left, so that's where I'll head to next. All right, I will keep on going. It's... 2.38 and I've done just over 17 kilometres. I'm now at Bourne de Beach Car Park. The last section between Hobart Campground and the Bourne de Beach Car Park was quite interesting. Two red belly black snakes in the middle of the trail sunning themselves and a long necked tortoise uh, swimming slash moving along the trail which was flooded in a lot of areas. So I had a lot, uh, some sections where the water was probably around about 25 centimetres deep in the middle of the trail and there was just no avoiding it. So I did probably uh, probably for about 200 metres I'd say I was walking through water uh, because the lake, the adjacent lake which doesn't drain to the ocean but drains through the sandy soil uh, was chock-a-block and I came across another hiker and apparently he said everyone's saying this is the highest they've ever seen it uh, and yeah, it's uh, as a result you're, you're walking through water. Um, temperature's still quite nice, a uh, bit of a breeze coming up. I'm back down to the ocean, I can sort of hear the, the ocean again now. I sort of lost it for a little while. Um, and this car park, no one here at the moment. Picnic tables, uh, toilet area, lots of parking, so it looks like quite a good area, but um, it's interesting, no one's here. So for whatever reason, it's not a, not a popular beach. Okay, it's uh, about 330 and I'm just at the North Tura Road car park and I've got approximately about 7 kilometres to go and I've done 20 kilometres so that makes the distance pretty much on 27 kilometres it's interesting, I'm sitting here looking at the printout from the website and it's saying the walk is 25 kilometres but the signage is saying 27 kilometres and that's what I'd planned on uh, and it's probably a good thing I did because uh, I think it is more uh, more to the liking of 27 kilometres. This last section uh, was quite interesting. Um, I thought I'd done done and dusted with the water, uh, but again I had we went around the or went around the Bourne Lagoon, so I had other sections on the trail where I had walking through water, um, and in fact um, probably wasn't as deep on the trail. But then I also had, not long after I left the last car park, uh, I had another lagoon crossing, which was probably around about 60 centimetres deep. 
In this case, though, I didn't bother taking the shoes off. I thought, bugger it. I guess, you know, I'm going to get wet feet anyway. So I just left the shoes and socks on, and they've been fine. And um, the water was much slower moving. Um, so even though it was deeper, it was about knee depth, um, it was much easier crossing than the previous one, which was 25 centimetres deep but much faster flowing. Getting there, getting there, I was sort of tossing up whether I finished today or not. And I may not finish... I'm going to finish sometime between 6 and 7 according to the distances. I certainly have slowed down a bit and the water certainly slows you down as well, particularly when you're looking for snakes every time you put, it, put your foot down. Um, but now the uh, connecting points are much shorter. So from here to the next connection is 1 kilometre, 1 after that's 1 kilometre, 1 after that's 2 kilometres, 2 kilometres and then to the finish is 1.5 kilometres. So rather than having longer stretches, these are much shorter stretches. And really from here, uh, we're coming from Tura uh, through to Marimbula. So more population, more people around. Yeah, so I've been waiting a little while. Um, there's not a lot of uh, phone signal here. So um, I didn't have enough uh, internet coverage to track, to track Tim on with his inReach. Uh, so he took a bit longer to get here than I had planned. Um, so, you know, I'm in this sort of phase of, uh, you know, do I try and go and get some coverage and work out where he is or do I just sit tight and wait for him to come along? So um, in the end he did um, and uh, I can confirm that his trousers are wet to the knees <laughs> and... Uh, um, you know, it is, I think I mentioned before, there are, you know, a few roads, uh, access roads closed uh, because of the rain that they've had down here and so on. Um, so, you know, that's a bit of a complication, I guess, if you've got people who are supporting you uh, on trail. Now, one of the things the, uh, the printout does do is it provides options for lake crossings. They're talking about after heavy rains, there are a couple of areas where you need to uh, uh, move around or change directions so one of those was the one I've just come through and the other one is the short point back lake to Marimbula Creek and it says if, if sorry if I know across the outflow walk via short point road Spencer Park to Munn Street where a bridge crosses the creek and a trail goes around the back of the lake connecting to, uh, back into where I need to be uh, in most cases there I've got one other that, that's one potential issue that I've got between now and then where I may have to change directions just because of the if the if the crossing is just too deep or too fast so I'll find out when I get to that area all right I'll just have finish off having a drink and I'll head off it's 6 40 and I've arrived at Marimbula Wharf after what ended up being a 10 hour and 50 minute day um, one of the things that did surprise me on this the write-up notes talk about this walk being 25 kilometres. The signage on trail, where they do talk about distances, and that's usually access off the beach, talk about it being a 27-kilometre walk. I measured it on my GPS on the day of 30 kilometres and 60, 650 metres. Uh, and I've got my GPS set on a fairly fine setting, um, so it's uh, likely to be more accurate, I think. So best off considering this as a 30-kilometre walk uh, rather than being a bit shorter. And as I said, as a single-day walk, almost 11 hours. 
would make a very good two-day walk, I think. Um, I think you know, stopping off at the uh, the Hobart uh, campground uh, is, a, is a good stopping point, good distance-wise. From the last time I did a recording, um, it was... Uh, uh, I think the going from Tarthra to Marimbula just made sense for us. And uh, I think Marimbula is a bigger town. There's lots more restaurants and cafes and shops here. So it's a good place to base yourself out of. And if you've got to start at one end, you know, it, this, it, it does make sense going south. And I think the other advantage of going south as well was that uh, as we got further south, the, the segments got shorter as well. So by the end of the walk, we had seg- segments that were two and a half kilometres or one kilometre or three and a half kilometres or one kilometre again. And it just felt like you were achieving more. Uh, and it, it, it just felt easier knowing that you, were, you just ticked off another segment and you didn't have much to go. So I think for me, certainly by mid-afternoon, I was struggling a bit. And by the, you know, by the end of the day, uh, I certainly felt the walk. There's no doubt about that. Um, it just felt easier with those shorter segments. Beach walking is quite demanding. I mean, this year you need to find the sweet spot on the sand where it's firm uh, but not wet. Uh, if you're walking in the soft sand, you really do know about it. And my leg muscles certainly felt that uh, when I was forced to sort of come off the hard sand and, and make my way into the softer area. You do need to do this walk with the um, the trip notes. There's a couple of areas where you change direction or you link trails where you do need to know exactly which way to turn and I'd say there's probably space for maybe another five or six little marker signs just to clarify where it is you're actually going but I think if you've got the if you know that you're coming off a trail and not quite sure you look at the trip notes and sure enough it says I had one example where turn right go up the road about 50 meters and there's a trail on the left and that's where it was so it was really clear in that respect i think from my perspective all up uh, and we'll talk about the walk in detail at the end of these on trip uh, recordings but for me this was a really good walk really enjoyable and well worth doing yeah look it was um interesting i walked with tim uh, some of the way uh, when I could get the car in and uh, yeah I did notice that when we were starting to get to those shorter distances Tim Tim perked up a bit um I think that the uh, second last leg was was a bit interesting at least the end of it when uh, he had to wade through uh, uh the uh, across the beach across the lagoon um uh, but you know it it was rising tide but not too difficult and um and certainly not in any way um, dangerous, but when Tim got to Marimbula, where we are now, um, uh, I took a, a few videos of him walking down the road, and yeah, you could tell he was feeling it, and um, uh, it was a great effort. Okay, that's the end of the on-trail recordings, and we'll next segment we'll go on and talk about this walk in detail and make some recommendations. Okay, so that was the series of recordings of my just on 11 hours single day walk on this track. And um, I will start by making the overall comment, I expected to enjoy this walk. I don't think I expected to enjoy it as much. 
Um, having done the light to light walk, which starts just south of Eden and heads down to Green Cape Lighthouse, I thought, okay, this is probably going to still be the, the best walk in the area. And even though there's similar sorts of distances, they're different enough that they have, they're unique in their own right. As a general thing, they both hug the coastline. I think with the uh, light to light walk, you get more ocean views. But with the wharf to walk, but with the wharf to walk walk, <laughs> but with the wharf to wharf walk, you get more beach walking and get, I think, a bigger variety of vegetation and ocean views and um, and beach walking. So it's it's they're definitely good walks, each in their own right, and each worth doing. Yeah, and I'd agree with that in terms of the 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 bits I was able to do. Um, quite different sections and quite different vegetation and uh yeah it's it's a it's it's a very nice a landscape to walk through so just following through um from logistics logistics on this walk um if you are doing this as a single day walk i probably wouldn't suggest doing it in the middle of winter uh, the days are probably going to be a bit too short. You and need a long day. Yeah, you're going to be starting off in the dark and finishing in the dark. Uh, but certainly doing it, uh, we did this, or I did this walk in uh, mid-March, and that was certainly long enough. Uh, so I think realistically, probably around about mid-October through to mid-March is probably fine. You'd get away with this a single day uh, if you're up for that sort of distance. As a two-day walk, um, this walk would be, I won't say easy, but it would be a, a comfortable sort of walk, splitting it into two roughly even distances, camping in the middle at Hobart Beach. Now, if you do go onto the uh, website for this walk, they talk about it also being a three-day option, but realistically, there is one only one designated campsite, which is Hobart Beach, and that's pretty much smack bang in the middle of the distance. Uh, so if you're going to do this as a three-day walk, you do, you, you do a section, get picked up, uh, come back in, do the next section, get picked up, come back in, do the third section. Yeah, and the, the challenge with that about uh, getting picked up is some of the uh, trails in from the main road towards the coast, some of the, the dirt roads uh, were, um, you know, uh, dif- difficult to navigate. Um, some of them I did, you'd need a four-wheel drive. Uh, there were uh, a couple that, uh, because of the heavy rain, were difficult to get down, so I decided against that. There was another one where I travelled quite a fair distance um, in the hope of meeting Tim as he crossed over that road, um, and there was a fallen tree. So then I had to turn around and come back and go to the next um, access road. So some of them can be a bit tricky depending on what's happened with the weather. Um, and we have had some, you know, wild and wet weather lately. So um, maybe that's unusual. I, d- I don't know. But certainly for this trip, um, I, th- I think, you know, uh, doing it as a two-day with Hobart Campground as the, the midpoint sounds like the best plan. And the campground at Hobart Beach is is a major campground. It's not just some little tiny little campground with with room for five tents. Uh, this will take caravans and camper vans as well as uh, people with tents. Uh, there's good facilities there. There's a ranger's residence not far from the entrance, so it's actually looked after and maintained fairly well. 
Um, so, you know, and again, it's it's highly unlikely to ever be blocked, uh, or if it is going to be blocked, it's only going to be blocked for a few hours if a tree falls. So it's um, that's a good option as a two-day walk. As I said, as a three-day walk, really, I think you'd be looking doing this you know, more as a section walk and coming back and doing piece by piece each weekend. Camp fees, not particularly the cheapest camp fees in the world because you're paying for a fairly large sort of campsite. I think approximately, and I put this on the uh, the written write-up of this walk, it's around about $26 for a campsite per night, uh, roughly 24 26 uh, but that's also up to six people. So if you're walking this as a group, uh, yeah, with six people, it's, it's, it's pretty minimal. If you're doing this as a single hiker, not the cheapest thing in the world. Uh, but for the this facilities that are there, you've got a nice big covered shelter. You can, mm. you know, if it's pouring with rain, uh, worst case, you could always go and sleep in your sleeping bag in the covered shelter and, and keep well and truly out of it. Yeah, there's there's good facilities. So, um, and you know, as Tim was saying, it's it's quite well maintained. Uh, and you do need to book. You can't just turn up and pitch a tent. It, it, you, there's an online booking uh, system, so you need to actually set that in place uh, before you start the walk. Uh, rather than just turning up and hoping that there is space. Uh, you might be lucky, but if you try and do this in the middle of school holidays, in the middle of summer, yeah, you're probably going to be out of luck. Yeah, and you can't camp along the way. Uh, that's the other thing. So you have to camp in the designated uh, camping areas. and um, uh, Or area. Area, <laughs> that's right. Um, and there aren't really any appropriate places that you can hide away and camp discreetly either. So, you know, you are being forced into the Hobart campground. Okay, so water-wise, um, I carried my entire water for the day. I started off with two litres and that was, was what was in my normal day pack. Uh, I should have opted for three. It wasn't overly hot. It got to about 23 degrees approximately. Uh, but I could have done with an extra half litre to a litre of water, uh, and uh, it this would have been easier. There were um, a couple of areas where you could have uh, picked up water at some of the, the boat ramp not long after the start of the walk. You probably could have picked up water at Hobart campground, Beach Campground, but I would have suggested filtering there because all the water tanks say do not drink, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty typical with most of the camp uh, campsites. And I topped you up with a mostly full bottle um, late in the in the day. So that probably got you through, but yeah. Yeah. So three litres is probably not a bad way to, to carry with you. Um, and, you know, you could, there are some inlets which you could have used, but given it's, it's proximity to the o- ocean, yeah, it's likely to be brackish. So uh, you're best off carrying the water with you or planning on, on picking up water and filtering at a Hobart beach campground. Accommodation options, as we said, on the trail itself, you really are limited to Hobart Beach, Hobart Beach Campground. Uh, as far as starting the walk, you can start this walk either from the Tarthra end or the Marimbula end, uh, and there is accommodation available in each of those towns, so you can choose to stay at either end, uh, but you then need to work out how you're going to get back to your accommodation uh, at the end of the day or the end of the hike. So you're either going to car shuffle and have a car at each end, or in my case, uh, Jill dropped me off. And, and, <laughs> and, it's kind and of forced. Walked. And we are forced. I'll be honest, I had actually booked transport uh, and they failed to turn up. So after a half an hour waiting. Oh, it was about 45, 45 minutes. 45 minutes waiting, yeah. And a number of phone calls, we just gave up because otherwise it just wasn't going to happen as a single day walk. Yeah, so that's why uh, I ended up uh, – 
doing a combination of four-wheel driving and hiking um, on, on that day and not walking um, the full distance with Tim. What we have done in the past is we've done something similar where uh, on the light-to-light walk, Jill dropped me off, drove down the other end to the where my finishing point was and met me roughly in the middle. Uh, and we could have done that, but it was just um, an easier process on the day for Jill to do what she did and come in and join me for, for sections here and there. So have a look at the transport options. Uh, unfortunately, no Ubers in this town, uh, but there are a couple of options. Uh, go through and either work on uh, doing a car drop at each end or work on having a friend drop you off or uh, go through and look at what the options are as commercial. Uh, but, yeah, you want to make sure there is some sort of guarantee that you will actually be picked up or if you're expecting to get a lift back to town the other direction, that someone is going to actually take you back. So getting on to back to accommodation again, with Tarthra, there is limited accommodation in Tarthra because it's a smaller town. Marimbula is really the, the central hub of this part of the coast, uh, even more so than I'd say Eden, which is further south. Uh, and you know, we ended up getting an accommodation that was uh, probably a couple of hundred metres from town. Uh, we booked the Friday night and the Saturday night, so got there on Friday night, started walking Saturday had the, the, had, we were there on Saturday night uh, before heading home on Sunday morning. Uh, so uh, I think what Jill was saying that whether it was the time of the year or whether it was just post-COVID, um, some of the facilities were saying minimum seven days or seven nights booking. Yeah, a, a, quite a few. So there were a small, very small number relatively um, that you could um, book for, you know, one or two nights. Um, but a lot of them were saying minimum seven nights, which, you know, it it, um, it wasn't school holidays. It, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the difference was, but um, and but when we were driving around um, town, that you know, there were no vacancies, so something was happening that uh, you know warranted the minimum stay of seven nights. The other thing that we chose to stay in Marimbula as well, uh, much bigger variety of restaurants and cafes and breakfast options. Uh, so, <laughs> food. Got to um, stay for yeah, food. We could have very easily started in Marimbula and walked back to Tartra. Uh, but having said that, I mean, the advantage with doing that is you've got, you've got a better, um, less impact on the sun uh, hitting you in the face heading north. But I think from my perspective, I really did appreciate heading back to Marimula because I found by the end of the day, uh, yeah, I was getting tired and all I could think of was, yeah, I was, I really do enjoy this walk, but I want to finish. And each of the little subsections were getting smaller and smaller. Shorter and shorter and shorter. Uh, <laughs> so it was like, okay, I've just got another section to do. I've just got another section to another do. Another kilometre, another 1.5, another 1.5. So that worked fairly well. I one comment I did make with this, and I've, I've talked about in the written write-up, is this walk is designated as a twenty-seven kilometre walk. If you download the notes off the website, it does talk about a twenty-five kilometre walk, or at least on the north to south version that we downloaded. Uh, and then my GPS on the day, which was set on a very fine setting, so it was it was dropping a, a dot every. Uh, two minutes, um, uh, so I was getting fairly accurate and what it was doing was telling me it was 30.65 kilometres. Now, I don't know if it was quite that far and maybe there was some accuracy issue there, uh, but what I did find is 
the walk took me 10, 10 hours and 50 minutes. And usually, even in given that you're walking on sand, which tends to slow you down a bit, it shouldn't have taken that long. Mm-hmm. So I think there is um, a, a slight distance discrepancy there. Uh, but again, still very doable as a day walk, but it is a hard day walk. There's no, no doubt about that. The other thing that's really worthwhile mentioning with this walk is that you have inlet crossings. And there are three uh, proper inlets that you need to cross. One not long after we had lunch, which was uh, at the Gap, and I can't remember what the name of it was. Uh, that was, um, uh, again, roughly around about 12, 12.30. And that was, um, I thought, I, I, was, I was sort of expecting it, but wasn't, if you like. And I got there, had a look around. Uh, I did actually take my shoes off. I uh, Normally, when you're crossing an inlet, you try and cross it as best as you can close to the ocean because that way the ocean water is pushing again against the fresh water coming out. Uh, and that's where I did cross. Uh, and the water was only about 25 centimetres deep. There weren't big waves. However, if it had been stormy and the wind had been blowing big waves into the beach, it probably wouldn't have been doable. So that's something you need to check with this walk. Uh, don't do it in when there's a storm blowing into the uh, in from the ocean. It's not going to be particularly helpful to your cause. The second inlet that I had to cross uh, was further down the beach, and it was a bit deeper. It was probably up to around about knee depth. Uh, very slow moving water. There was never any issue of getting washed away on either of those two inlets. Uh, I left the shoes on this time. And the conditions were good enough that I didn't get cold or I didn't get blisters uh, and it worked quite well. Then I also had the last inlet crossing, which was at Marimbula Creek, just at the back uh, of the wharf hill. So you walk from there up the hill and then down to the wharf. Um, It was by far the deepest. Uh, I didn't actually go out towards the ocean. I decided to opt where there are a number of swimmers just walking across uh, and that was probably up to around about crotch height. Uh, <laughs> so I, w- I came prepared, all my cameras, all my electronics were in my pack. Uh, the water wasn't moving fast. It wasn't an issue of safety, uh, but I ended up getting getting fairly wet legs, and there's some photos of that in the uh, actual write-up itself. It was relatively narrow as well, and the other – so I was watching Tim uh, cross the other option uh, further – in, inland to to uh, towards the inlet towards the lagoon was much deeper and uh, much more and wider as risky well, yeah. wider risky deeper yeah and even even where I normally would have crossed out to where it met the ocean uh, it was fairly shallow but then there was a deep section almost right at the side so I would have ended up with the same issues so in this case where I crossed. I ended up being reasonably consistent depth all the way across. Yeah, and it was reasonably um, high tide as well. It wasn't fully high tide, but the tide was, you know, coming in. So it wasn't, um, you know, if you crossed when uh, the tide was um, lower or going out, um, it wouldn't have been a problem at all. We went down there the next day after the walk and had a look and there were three hikers that were doing either a section or the whole walk, I'm not sure what, uh, and they crossed in very similar sort of spot, one uh, one uh, actually stripped down to swimmers and crossed. The other two had shorts on, so they were fine. So uh, it seems to be a standard sort of crossing point for most people. In addition to the formal inlets, there are a couple of other, I'll say, water hazards along this trail. Um, there are some inland lakes on this uh, this walk. 
uh, and they, they aren't open to the ocean. So after a period of heavy rain, apparently they're at, they're at the, some of the highest heights they've ever been at. So I ended up having one section after I left Hobart Beach Campground, uh, I was walking probably for about 100 metres in about 30 to 40 centimetres of water. Uh, and again, if you go to the written write-up and look at the uh, the trail video, which shows a start to finish of this trail, uh, I've got a, sh- a short section that shows you what it was like walking through there. Um, so, yeah, expect to get wet shoes. I mean, really, even on that section, there was no other option. You either took your feet off or your shoes off and walked. I don't know how uh, you take your feet yeah. off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> took your shoes off and walked or you just walked it in shoes, which is what I did, and that was fine. Yeah. There are also a couple of other sections that might have only been eight or nine metres, but again, there was no choice but to walk through them with or without shoes. And I must admit, I, I'm i reasonably happy with doing that in the ocean because I, you know, particularly in the inlets, I know what it's like, but you, know, you don't know what sticks or rocks are in the middle of the pathway there. Uh, and it's just better off to cross them with shoes. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'd prefer to get everything wet and just have something solid under under my sole. And when I actually left um, Jill after she dropped in some afternoon tea for me, I walked down a set of stairs, and the stairs went straight in through a, a small <laughs> inlet. Which you know, during you know midsummer and no rains, it'd be dry. But I had again a a probably a thirty meter walk through about thirty to forty centimeters of water. Yeah, and the thing about that was so uh, that was at uh, uh, North Tura Road, and uh, he he could have gone to the left and down onto the beach, or the right and down onto the beach. And I convinced him to go down on the right, and and uh, he ended up in the, in in the water when he would have been fine if he'd gone down to the left of the lookout. And that was actually where the trail went, but yeah, in that in that situation, the left hand walk would have got me down to the beach with that with dry feet. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I think overall, the thing that potential hazard on this walk really are the inlet crossings. Um, if if in doubt, don't push it. Um, if you're not familiar, or um, you know, if there's any doubt at all. Uh, don't push it. But again, if you know, so if it's been a heavy storm or heavy rain for period and the inlets are running really heavy or it's high tide, um, you know, you may think, okay, it's not worth the risk, but it depends on your experience level. Uh, and again, if you're doing this as a, a two day walk, you've got the ability uh, to, to have plenty of time to say, well, I'll cross it at low tide, mm. make things nice and easy. Yeah. But the other thing is some of this is also part of your uh, pre-trip planning as well, pre-hike planning to check uh, how the weather's going in the lead up to when you're going to start and, um, you know, um, if 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 there's any sign of hev- heavy rain in, in the week before, um, you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to get water on the trail. So as a final comment through here, there's, you know, there are some negatives through here in relation to you. you're going to get wet and expect to get wet. <laughs> uh, but it really was a good walk. I enjoyed it. Uh, I did see two red-bellied black snakes that were sunning themselves on the trail. Uh, they One shot off as I was walking up. The other one, I got very close to it. Uh, as soon as I moved my foot to get a better photo opportunity, it shot off. Uh, at, at high speed into the into the uh, the bushes, I came across a kangaroo, a juvenile kangaroo, which scared the life out of me. 
uh, because I was so busy looking for snakes, I wasn't expecting a very still motionless kangaroo letting me get within a metre of it and then it hopped in front of me and went off. So that, that did, I just wasn't expecting it. Well, there's uh, plenty plenty of wildlife on this trail, which is, you know, a nice thing. There's lots of bird life, um, you go, know. Goanna you saw? Yeah, big, uh, a big Goanna, yeah. Uh, I saw a, t- a long-necked tortoise wandering down the middle of the trail. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's there's plenty of wildlife. Uh, I think the wildflowers, particularly in springtime, would be really stunning. Really, yeah. really stunning. Um, so, as I said, overall there really is something for everybody on this walk. Um, it, it is a walk that I would like to do again, and this time with Jill. Um, <laughs> uh, and it's it, it really is a very enjoyable walk as well, either as a one- or a two-day walk. But as a one-day walk – you knew that you do need to be fit and you do need to know what you're getting in for. Um, if you haven't done uh, 25 to 30 kilometres before on a single day, you may want to plan on on, the, on doing the campground just in case. Yeah. Oh, look, I think um, if, if you do it over two days, if you have an overnight stop um, at the campground, it, it's much more enjoyable. There's plenty to see. You're not in a hurry um, and, you know, you can – uh, well, when when the conditions are good, you can go swimming as well. Uh, some of the 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 beaches were a bit uh, a bit turbulent, and uh, swimmers be- were being warned away. But uh, under normal circumstances, that's another option as well. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, live action uh, video, <laughs> so live action live action recordings of uh, the wharf to wharf track on the trail. Uh, And if you have the opportunity, certainly pencil it in as a walk well worth doing. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me. Or more than likely a two-day walk. Uh, And we'll talk about why that is during the podcast and afterwards when we rake our record. And we'll talk about why that is when we rake them back. The wharf to walk wharf has more. So I still, I still will still.